Chapter thirty one of France to Scandinavia by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Where the Farmer is King. In the reference books, Denmark is recorded as under the sovereignty of Christian the Tenth. This is a mistake. Christian the Tenth is only a figurehead. The real ruler of Denmark is the farmer. He owns the country. He elects the Congress. He makes the laws. The Germans call the United States a monarchic democracy. This land is a farmer's democracy. Denmark does not bow down to the farmer, for the farmer is Denmark. His union is stronger than any labor organization of our country or England. He combines for everything, and all of his class work as one. There is no country in the world so built upon agriculture as this, and none in which the science and ethics of farming have so firm a foundation. The people worship three gods. Like Jeroboam, the king of the Jews, they have erected two golden calves at each end of their country, and like the ancient Egyptians, they worship the cow. They bow down also to the chicken. The cock whose third crow made Peter weep had not a greater place in the conscience of that saint than that which the Danish hen occupies in the minds of the thrifty poultrymen of Denmark. The third and last god is the pig, a Yorkshire of the bacon variety, for it is his streak of lean and streak of fat, produced largely from the skimmed milk of the cow, that brings much of the money which supports the Danes. Danish bacon and butter and eggs bring in annually hundreds of millions of dollars, and from England in one year alone, Denmark has received $38 million for bacon, $40 million for butter, and $35 million for eggs. The land, in fact, is one great factory devoted to turning out these three special products. This factory has more than a quarter of a million owners, each running a little branch independent of the others. Yet all are joined together in 4,000 cooperative agencies and other cooperative societies, the whole being better organized than any system of chain stores in the United States. By this, I mean that every farm is a plant that works according to rules made by the farmers themselves. They buy and sell only in combination and have such common standards of production that all of the output is equally good. In short, they operate as though the whole country were a single big farm. The Danes have often been called a nation of farmers. Their little country is divided up into a quarter of a million farms or one farm for every 12 persons. If the United States were apportioned according to its area in the same ratio, it would have about 50 million farms instead of a little more than 6 million as now. Nine out of every 10 farms in Denmark are owned and operated by the men who live on them, and most of the owners have no other means of support. There are 70,000 holdings of less than two acres, and I have seen statements that a man can live and support his family on three or four acres. This I believe to be a mistake. My information from the government officials and from farmers, large and small, is that he needs two or three times this amount of land. But all agree that 10 acres is quite enough to enable a man to make a decent living and educate his children. They say that the farmer who has 30 acres is well-to-do, while one who has from 50 to 100 may be called almost rich. The men who live on the very small holdings, say of two acres, thrive by raising several cows, a dozen pigs, and a good flock of chickens, but they must work also for their neighbors 
to piece out their incomes. More than half the farms are of less than 13 acres and comprise about three-fifths of the land. There are more than a 100,000 farms which range between 13 acres and 150 acres, the owners of which might be called the backbone of the country. Most of them are scientific agriculturists. They know all about plants and plant breeding. They are skilled mechanics and often good chemists. Many of them are graduates of agricultural schools, and socially and politically, they are of a higher grade, perhaps, than any other farmers on earth. They are usually men of some means. They are interested in the savings and credit associations, and to a large extent run the cooperative societies. They control the politics of the sections in which they live. It is through the farmers that the railroads are operated in the interest of the farmers, not to make money, but to haul passengers and freight as cheaply as possible. It is through the farmers that the land has been broken up into small holdings, that credit banks have been established, that only two in one thousand of the people are unable to read and write, and that most of the homes, even out in the country, have telephones and electric lights. The climate and soil are such that only a small part of the feed of the livestock can be raised on the land. For five months of every year, the cattle can sometimes be grazed in the fields, and for the other seven they must be kept all the time in the barns and stall-fed. The country is so thickly settled that there is not enough land to raise hay or grain for the animals, and a great part of the feed is brought in from the United States and other countries. Every week ships from New York bring grain, especially corn and cotton seed meal cakes, as food for the cattle, and in addition there must be tank food, bone dust, and other articles which help in the production of eggs. Every farmer knows the feeding value of all he buys, while through the cooperative associations the purchases are made at wholesale prices and so distributed that the farmers practically eliminate the middleman and have all the profits themselves. It is the same with the sales. There are cooperative egg societies, cooperative butter societies, and cooperative bacon societies, through which almost all the selling is done. These associations have their agencies and branch houses scattered over Denmark and their representatives in London and all the chief markets. In this way, farmers get the highest prices for everything, while their rules require that the products be standardized and of a high quality throughout. There are about 4,000 cooperative associations, and of the 250,000 farmers, more than 244,000 belong to these selling societies. There are 15 cooperatives devoted to the purchase of goods, and they have 70,000 members. There are 1,700 breeding societies interested in the various kinds of stock, from chickens to cattle. The net business of the cooperative societies of the country amounts to a quarter of a billion dollars a year, and there is a baker's dozen of credit associations which have outstanding loans to the amount of more than $500 million. The farmers buy all their goods through the wholesale associations, and the goods are distributed through retail cooperative societies in such a way that the farmers get the profit made on all their own purchases. There are stores with a total membership of 300,000. This means that there is one store membership to every two families, or twice as many as in England, and three times as many as in Germany, in proportion to the population. There is one of these cooperative stores in every village. The Cooperative Wholesale Society in Copenhagen 
sells in the neighborhood of $25 million worth of goods per year. It has acres of warehouses and factories. The business of its factories amounts to $5 million per annum, and it makes a net profit of 5% and a gross profit of 7 or 8%. This wholesale organization is made up of representatives elected by the retail cooperative associations. It has no individual or personal owners, and its profits all go to the retail societies. So far, as I am told, none of the stockholders has had to put up any money for shares in this wholesale association. Each retail association, after careful investigation, is allowed to subscribe for a certain amount of stock, and the subscription is carried on the books until the profits pay for it. Since I have been in Denmark, I have gone through the buildings of this big wholesale cooperative association at Copenhagen. They are situated near the wharves and the railroad cars come right to the factory so that freight is most economically handled. This association sells no feeding stuffs, grain, or farm tools, which are dealt in by other associations. The establishment is much like a wholesale department store and serves about 1,600 local stores scattered over Denmark. In the sample rooms, I was shown every sort of household utensil and all kinds of things in wood, china, and glass. There were ready-to-wear goods of every sort, dolls and toys for the Christmas tree, and even cameras and opera glasses. A large building is devoted to seeds of everything from clover to wheat, rye, and oats, and especially to rutabagas and mangle wurzel beets, both of which form a large part of the food for the cattle. Another great building is filled with coffee and tea, for the establishment has its own coffee roasters, and a third has a large force making shoes. The latter covers about an acre and is equipped with American machinery. The shoes turned out are of every grade and style, from those of coarse hide to fine high-heeled shoes for women. The workmanship is excellent, and the prices are considerably lower than in the United States. The society has factories for making candy and chocolate, tobacco, cigars, and cigarettes. It has chemical works. It makes hosiery and ready-made clothing, as well as bicycles and soap. One of the most important factories of this wholesale association is devoted to margarine, an article which takes the place of butter for most of the people of Denmark. Although the Danes make about the best butter on earth and export tens of millions of dollars worth, the farmers eat margarine that they may have more butter to sell. One of the officials tells me he estimates that 98% of the dairy farmers sell all the butter they make. End of chapter 31